the wind to come on in here today. So, <laughs> you know, one of the most uh, exciting days in the Bible was actually quite a windy day, if I remember correctly. So, uh, some of you might get that, but maybe not. Um, I want to read from you a passage in Exodus chapter 1 to start a message today. And it reads this way In Exodus chapter 1, uh, verse 11 through 14, it says, So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all of the work in the fields. They were ruthless in their demands. At the beginning of the book of Exodus, the people of God, the Israelites, were in captivity. It was a good situation to begin with, but then for generations, Pharaoh and and his people enslaved the children of Israel, the children of God. Enslaved them to merciless labors, enslaved them to do all of the work and all of the tasks, and it was a very, very difficult time. For generations, generation after generation, they had grown up as slaves, never knowing the taste of freedom that we enjoy on a daily basis here in America. They lived under the ruthless tyranny of Pharaoh, but one day God raised up a man in an odd situation. His name was Moses. And throughout this situation, uh, God brought Moses back to the land of Pharaoh. And Moses came and talked to Pharaoh. And through the power of God, expressed that God was wanting his people to be free for the first time in many, many generations. God did some incredible things to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. There were these amazing plagues, and many of you probably remember the Bible story where there were ten plagues that that came in, and finally on the tenth plague, it was a terrible plague actually, where the firstborn child of every family, the firstborn son of every family would be killed, as well as livestock. And this was a a powerful uh, point that God was making here. And so Pharaoh in the madness of the situation and all that was going on said, fine, get out of here. And they pushed the people out and said, leave, we don't want anything to do with you. But then all of a sudden, after a little bit of time, Pharaoh's heart changed and he said, what were we doing? We just had all of this slave labor, we've had it for generations, we don't even know how to work anymore. And there goes our whole workforce, let's chase them down and enslave them again. So they began chasing them down in chariots and a great army were chasing the children of Israel. And... The children of Israel came up against the the Red Sea that had kind of blocked them, and they were kind of being funneled into this place where uh, Pharaoh and his chariots were chasing them. They weren't sure what they were doing. In fact, they cried out. They thought, man, Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Were there not enough graves there? They're just going to slaughter us and leave us to die across the entire desert. But God stepped in said, Moses, stretch out your staff across the water. And the water split, and uh, a wind began to blow, and it dried the bottom of the Red Sea so that God's people could walk across dry ground. 
And after the last person got across onto to dry land from the Red Sea, then Pharaoh's army began to race across the floor of the Red Sea on the same ground that the Israelites walked. But right then, it was as if God was holding back the water with his hands. And when the enemy came to the center of the Red Sea, all of a sudden, it collapsed on them. For the first time in generations, a group of people that were born slaves in captivity, for the first time, they were free. They were free. What did that moment look like? What was going on in in that as they were standing there looking across? Can you imagine the group of people? and, And if all of us were in that crowd that day and we were looking across as the water crashed in and it settled and you came to the realization that never again would you look behind you over your shoulder wondering if Pharaoh would be there. Never would you go around the corner and face Pharaoh with his whip again for the first time in your entire life for many generations. You were free. Something happened right then on that shoreline. People began to get a little bit more excited than you guys are today. And I'm not, I'm not trying to whip you up into a frenzy or anything like that. I'm just saying that it wasn't a Norwegian party, all right? It wasn't a German party. I'll pick out a bunch of different people. If you take your Bibles, I want you to see what the party looked like. In Exodus chapter 15, in verse 1, it starts. And it's through the entire chapter of, of Exodus chapter 15, but... Take your Bibles or your electronic devices and uh, flip there real quick. It'll be on our screen, but we're not going to keep it on the screen. Can you guys see how that waves like that? Okay. It's not the wall. Don't worry. Uh, It's actually a projector that's hooked to a girding in the ceiling, and it's really long, and it likes to shift a little bit. So rather than you guys get seasick and try and run for the exit, we're just going to flash it up there real quick, shut it off, and then... Uh, You guys will be, for those of you that are listening online, you don't have a clue what's going on, just omit the last few seconds there. But Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Moses leads the entire group of people in a huge celebration song saying God has brought us victory. He has triumphed gloriously in the face of our enemies. The person that had held us captive for generations is now drinking a lot of water. It says, God is my strength. I love how Moses puts that. He, he internalized it. He is, he is my strength. He is my song. This is my God. I will praise him. There's an ownership there of Almighty God. There's a relationship there. There's a claiming of God. There's an exalting him. There's a worshiping him. 
Moses goes on throughout the chapter here boasting about God's power and his greatness and his goodness to the people. Can anyone perform such amazing wonders? Is there anyone like our God? Then Moses in verse 13 makes one of the most incredible statements probably in the entire Old Testament. He says this in his song. Verse 13 of Exodus chapter 15. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. I want us to look at just that first phrase there. With your, unva- with your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. Your unfailing love. God's love was the driving force behind his people's freedom. It was God's love that brought them out of Egypt. It was God's love for his people that he didn't want to see them in that situation anymore. He didn't want to see them under the the captivity. He wanted them free, free to worship him, free to love him, free to be the person that he created each of them individually to be. I'm sure that this moment was a highlight for God. If we were in that group of people when, the, when the, the, the ocean collapsed in on the enemy and the people began to get just a little bit excited and they began to sing and they began to shout and began to give praise to God, I'm sure that God looked down from heaven and at that moment he's like, hey, hey, angels, come here for a second. Look at this. Look at my children. They're free. They're free for the first time. They're they're loving this, this time right now. It says that with your unfailing love, you lead the people. You see, God wasn't driving them like a difficult taskmaster. He was leading them with his love. God wasn't driving his people with a whip or trying to chase them in a certain direction. He was ahead of them going, guys, I have such a great plan and a purpose for your life. Come with me. Come with me. And so many times I think that we get the wrong perception of God, that we think God is some some master behind us with a whip waiting for us to screw up so we'll go in the wrong direction and he can smack us and say, you dummy. But I think that God is more of this picture here where he's calling out to us as his people, and he's leading us with his love, and he's saying, come in my direction. I have a greater plan. I have a greater purpose. I have the land of promise waiting ahead of you. Would you just trust me? Would you just come with me? God, he leads his people with his love. Isn't it interesting that the God of the universe did not lead his people with his power or his might or his glory or his majesty, but he led them with his love? With his love. And then, Moses says, with your unfailing love, you lead the people with your love. The people you have redeemed. This is a beautiful Hebrew word. The Hebrew word here means to reclaim as one's own. To reclaim as one's own. It's like 
they were owned by Pharaoh because he had enslaved them and he had captured them. And, and, and God was like, you know what? That's not going to do because I love my people and I want them part of my family. I want to, to, to show my love to them. So I am going to reclaim them out of the hands of the enemy and I'm going to reclaim them for my own. I'm their father and they are my children. He reclaims them. God had taken the people of Israel who were enslaved and he had made them free. Reclaiming them as his own to walk in the freedom to love him and to serve him. You know what? This, um, it gets a little crazy on the bank of the Red River here. Or not Red River, sorry, the Red Sea. Different place. It gets a little bit exciting. You see in verse 20, if you want to flip over there, it doesn't just end with shouts. It doesn't just end with singing. Uh, this might be hard for some of you to, to understand, but there, a dance party breaks out, okay? A dance party breaks out. I mean, it says in verse 20, Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led the women as they pray, played their tambourines and danced before God. <laughs> look, look, look at them. Look, they're dancing now. Now they're dancing. They're shouting. They're praising God for the first time in their lifetime. They were free. What does it feel like to be free? You see, guys... Before all of this happened, they, the, each person in that group of people were only valued by how much they could lift or by how much they could produce or how fast that their hands could work. At many times, a slave felt valueless. It was like it was a, a loveless and a thankless task. There was no reason to ever be thanked. No one to ever, uh, there was always just a person waiting saying, you're not doing it good enough. You're not doing it fast enough. And that was the life of slavery. Each day they woke up and their, their backs were hunched over. Not because of the burdens that they bared physically each day, but rather the weight of oppression that weighed on their shoulders on a daily basis. Head hung low. No value. No worth. Never a reason to celebrate as a slave. Never your heart so filled with joy. Was there ever a time to dance as a slave? But now God had stepped in. And the celebration had begun. You see, the, the wrinkled brows that, with a lifetime of injustice now raised in a glorious smile. Sighs of turmoil and torment turned into long belly laughs on the shore of the Red Sea. The cries of agony that sprang from their lips with the crack of every whip now turned into shouts of joy. How often had they sang as slaves? How often did their feet leap with exuberance? What does it feel like to be loved? What does it feel like to be free? What 
We have a lot in common with these slaves. Whether we realize it or not. In fact, in Titus chapter 3, it explains a very similar situation to what was going on in their lives in our own. If you take your Bibles this morning and flip over a few pages, like 80% of the Bible, to Titus chapter 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 6. It reads this way, starting at verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and we became slaves. To many lusts and pleasures, our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But... But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Could I paraphrase this word? He redeemed us. Not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible says that we lived like fools. All of us. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved by our lusts and our fleshly pleasures. Filling our lives with evil and envy. Hating and be it hated. I had a guy come up to me the other day and he said, Hey, Pastor, or he just said, Sheldon, do you allow heathens at your church? I smiled and said, Yeah, we're all heathens. You'll fit right in. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, though? The Bible says here that we're slaves. To all of our sin, we were slaves until the point that Jesus Christ came into our life and transformed us. And at that point, we had a new life. There was a new birth. On the shore of the Red Sea, there was a new birth and a new life. For the first time, God's people were free. That's when God stepped in. You see, sin was once our master, and it, it, slavery had defeated and, in, and it, it enslaved us. Like God triumphing over the taskmaster of Israel, Jesus Christ set us free from the slavery of sin. Through Christ, we have the victory over sin. We have the freedom to serve him. God redeemed the people of Israel with his unfailing love. That same unfailing love is extended to us. Verse 4 says, God our Savior revealed His kindness and His love. By His wonderful grace, He saved us. He redeemed us. He claimed us as His own. His mercy was extended to us. But it was not because of the righteous things that we had done. But rather because of His unfailing love. 
is unfailing love. When we accept the wonderful gift of God's grace, verse 5 tells us that it washes our sins. We are born again. We receive a new life. Rather than a life of slavery generation to generation, the tie is cut and a new life begins. We're free. No longer slaves to sin, but rather children of God. But you see, the dilemma that we face today as the church is that many times we walk around acting like we're slaves. To the world around us, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, guys. If the world is ever going to want what you have in your life, you are going to have to start living like you're actually loved. Don't live like a free man who's been enslaved. Live like a slave that has just been freed. That's how our lives should be lived. That's how our lives should, should, it's exciting to to serve Jesus Christ, to serve a God that leads us with his love, not follows us with his whip. When when you come to an understanding of what Jesus has done for you, it causes you to sing, it causes you to shout, it causes you to dance. And you know what? It might even cause you to bop like this as a Norwegian or German, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Or a you betcha. <laughs> Guys, I, w- I want to show you a quick video right now. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. I want you to begin to grasp in your heart of hearts that as Christians, it's time to live like we are been truly loved by God. You're not the only one who feels like this, feeling like you lose more than you win, like life is just an endless hill you climb, you try and try, but never arrive. I'm telling you something that's racing, that's running. Oh, you're working way too hard. And this perfection you're chasing is just energy wasted. Cause he loves you like you are. So go ahead and live like you love. It's okay to act like you've been set free. Like you know the one that holds your soul Cause mercy has called you by your name Don't be afraid to live in that grave 
It's okay to act like you've been set free. Guys, I believe that there are people whose lives would transform instantaneously if you would just simply wake up each morning and determine that you were going to live like you are loved by God. Maybe this world is not drawn to Jesus Christ because they look at us and they don't see the hope that they are looking for. They don't see the acceptance of the Father that they're looking for. They don't see the joy of the Holy Spirit flooding our lives. Maybe changing the world has less to do with work and more to do with celebration, more to do with simply living like you are loved by God. What if this simple principle could change the world? What if people looked at your life and said, that person for some reason lives with a divine purpose. I can see it all over their life. I don't understand it. All I know is I want what they have. I want to live like I'm loved. Could we change the world by simply showing the world that we have been set free by Jesus Christ? So what are we going to do? For the next month, we're going to live like we're loved. How's that sound? Okay, so no more pressure, all of those external type things and I want you to wake up every morning and you just say, you know what, rather than trying to jump through a bunch of religious hoops or something like that, I just want you to live in the almighty love of God for the next 30 days, that you would be excited about God's great plan and his purpose, that he would lead you every day with his love and say, come over here, Sheldon, Sheldon, come over here. I've got this great plan and a purpose for your life. Live like you are loved. And then this is what we're going to do on the last Sunday of February, February 28th. Uh, we've designated it as Bring a Friend to Church Sunday. I want you for the next 30 days to simply live like you're loved in front of every person around you. I want you to be full of the joy of the Lord. I want you to receive all that God has for your life. And you know what? Over the next 30 days, I want you to live like you're loved and simply, I would ask, that you would find one person or multiple people to invite to church on February 28th because we want to tell our whole city about the love of Jesus Christ that he has for them and that they don't have to live in slavery and bondage. None of us have to live in slavery and bondage, but God is leading everyone in our city by his love. And we want to share an incredible message that Sunday about how God calls you by, his, by your name and that he loves you and he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. Guys, it's okay to live like you're loved. It's okay to act like you've been set free. Would you pray with me today? Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. That God, so many times we try and jump through all of the hoops to be good enough. And, and God, your word says very clearly, we read today, that it said it wasn't about the things that we had done. It wasn't about how good we were or how perfect we were and all the things that we could accomplish in our own strength and in our own life. But God, you simply loved us because we're your children. You care about us and you created us 
The word says you knit every person in this room in, in their mother's womb. You know how many hairs are on every head. God, you care about us, the intricate details. You love us. So today, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your people would live, that this week, that we would live on the backside of the Red Sea. That we would live in celebration, that we would live in joy, that we would live in excitement, that God, we would convey to those around us how much you love not only us, but how much you love them as well. That God, you would pour into our hearts and our lives your love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you guys. If you're staying for the annual business meeting, there is some lunch provided. Otherwise, have a great week. Live like you're loved.